Welcome to Planet Pipe, I'm Laura McDougal and this is your July 2019 trip on the Tartan Rocket. In a little bit we'll be getting Thunderstruck with our guest David Colvin who will be telling us all about Thunderstruck, his play inspired by hero of men as a piper, Gordon Duncan. He'll be telling us how the idea came about and also what you can do to help it go even further. But before that, let's start off the show with the young energetic band that is The She's, featuring the piping of Ian Alexander Marr. From the album Follow the Flow, you might be able to spot a very well-known track tune in amongst this modern Celtic delight of a track. Thank you. 
guess. Mrs. McLeod of Rassi tastefully merged into that track from the Sheed. The Italian-based modern Celtic band Social Media claims they are one of the most clicked Celtic bands of 2018, with millions of views on YouTube, and very well-deserved views they are. I really do enjoy that track. If you want to hear any more from them, you can check out their website, and it is www.thesheed, which is S-I-D-H dot I-T. And talking about the Celtic rock side of the massive instrumental gamut of the pipes, I've been in the studio recently working on the new album for the Red Hot Chili Pipers. It's the band's sixth album, and it's going to be called Fresh Air. It's actually available now, and fairly soon we'll be speaking to our guest, David Colvin, about his upcoming run of the play, Thunderstruck, a one-man show focusing on the legend that was Gordon Duncan. We'll hear the Chili Pipers now from that new album, and with their take on one of Gordon's tunes, it's a pipe band, Hornpipe, with a lot of high Gs, and it's called The Gladiator.
the Red Hot Chili Peppers from their new album, Fresh Air, which is available now on all good streaming websites and to download and also buy. Now to a fantastic piper and whistle player, this time lending his whistle talents to a great pipe tune by Alan McDonald. This is Ali Levac. He was a finalist in the Young Traditional Musician of the Year 2018 and performs in many prominent bands in the Scottish folk scene, including this one with guitarist Pablo Lafontaine called Project Smoke. His roots are in Scottish trad, but I'm sure you'll be able to appreciate the jazz influence in pieces like this. Here's Project Smoke with Angela.
So on to our guest for this show. He is a piper, but primarily an actor and playwright. His play Thunderstruck tells the tale of his eye and ear witness accounts of Gordon Duncan and the magic that followed. My first question when asking about his first experience of the pipes was where and when? Uh, yes, yeah, so I grew up in um, Belingray, which is a, a village in Fife. I went to Loch Kelly High School and um, uh, a proper a sort of mining village, working class Fife. And piping really came into my life very similar to the to the, the little snippet that you see in the plays that um, an old piper came into my primary seven class and said, um, would any of you like to play the bagpipes? And, uh, and I put my hand up in the air. I think I was 11 years old. And that's when the whole piping uh, journey started. So that sort of teaching in your school, was that a very much traditional sort of style of learning? Uh, it certainly was. I mean, I think everybody should start from a place of um, of tradition, I suppose, and in terms of how you, you when you're learning the basics and when you're learning you know, how to play the instrument, I think one must learn the rules before... Uh, you you do or do not decide to break them, I suppose. I think universally everyone would agree with that, but of course yeah. we're, the reason we're talking about this today is talking about Gordon Duncan, who is you know probably recognised as being yeah. the most innovative piper we've had. Certainly in, the biggest rule breaker, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what about when you went through the traditional aspects of, of piping and learning piping, when did you, first of all, when did you hear about Gordon and what was it that you started to notice different about Gordon, first of all? Well, I, I think I was of an age and I was, I think, I, I, I the very first introduction to Gordon was someone uh, playing Andy Rennick's ferret uh, on the bagpipes. I think it was one of the, we, we called them the big band, the Dyson and Donald, the, yeah. the adult band, which we were the feeder band for. Right. And um, someone was playing Andy Rennick's ferret and I remember just hearing, um, hearing a, something different or something that I hadn't I hadn't heard before and wasn't quite sure what he was doing or how he was doing it and I, I remember being very young and very excited at, at, at this noise and as soon as he played it I think the, the then the music or everyone then started to try and play it everyone then um, started to to pick up this music and it sort of rattled around the band um, uh, it got to a point where we would all come in we'd be you know trying very hard to play Andy Rennick's ferret while not learning the tunes that we were supposed to be learning for you know the next season's championships but and I think that was my introduction to Gordon but I wasn't aware that it was Gordon at that point I was just aware of this uh this tune and this noise that that um was different I suppose and um and was quite exciting I think we've we've all been there at that age when you you do discover, especially if you're involved in the more folky side of piping. You you do discover when you you've been brought up in pipe pipe bands and solo piping. When you do discover there is this other realm involved in piping, yeah. as it it's a uh, what's the word? Um, it's just a, it's just a, a, a sort of it's just a changing moment for you in yeah. terms of your development as a piper. It's just a real moment. I think at the time uh, the the paths were exclusive. Like if you went down the people rather. Uh, derisively called it the kitchen piping was always that is a swear word in my house yeah well yeah absolutely and and um and i again i was i was too young for that for me to really understand that people were using that in a negative term Mm -hmm. i just i just heard a noise that i was that that was quite exciting you know and i and i think um i think nowadays it's easy to look at it nowadays because everybody walks both paths you know everybody likes to do a bit of both and some people 
you know, leave the pipe bands and career off down the uh, the uh, the more innovative uh, look at what the instrument can do, and and an awful lot of other people are still um, uh, playing the more traditional bagpipe and and doing the pipe band um, scene, and I think both are both exist in the same world. I think quite happily with each other. There's very few um, uh, there's very few Seamus, what's his name, is left in the world yeah, who are yeah. uh, who 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 don't think that the bagpipe should be able to do this. Yeah. So epiphany, that's the word I was looking for. Epiphany, yes. Epiphany, yeah. So so talking about words and English, you are I I think you'd you'd allow me to call you secondarily a piper and firstly an actor. That's right, yes. So what about your acting career? Where did that all start? Uh that so so that started funnily enough, it started with a break from bagpipes. I was when I was um seventeen I was asked to go to Glasgow and um, and be a sort of child actor in a play called John Paul Jones, and I was playing the part of John Paul Jones, a young, uh, the young version. So I was in the first half of the play, and the adult was in the second. And um, and I remember my drama teacher being really enthusiastic that I go to Glasgow and take this part, and and I was there thinking I I really didn't want to miss a because that meant missing the whole pipe band season. Mm. And um, I, I, I remember him standing in the in the in the drama department with the envelope in his hands and asking me if I was absolutely sure. And then just at that very moment, I said, "You know what? I can take a season off. I'll come back next year. I'll be absolutely fine." And then I went off to Glasgow. I did the part, and that was another epiphany for me. That was a sort of life changing moment where I ended up in Glasgow in a play in a lead part. And um, that was the beginning of that journey. I don't think I took the acting. I think I took it seriously, but I, I think because of my background at the time, I didn't take it seriously that it was that it was a potential job for me, that it was a potential career. Yeah. I think it was just something a lot of fun and something I really enjoyed doing. And I, uh, I think I just kept doing it. It's one of those things. I just, I just, um, I just kept getting jobs. I actually got a music degree first, right. which uh, which didn't involve piping. So although I got in uh, with the bagpipes, and then they said uh, that they didn't offer bagpipes, so then I had to go back and re-audition with um, voice and piano. Having never uh, the only piano I learned was teaching myself, so I so I had to I had to learn a Chopin Prelude in E minor, and uh, that was probably one apart from thunderstruck the, the hardest thing i've ever had to learn in my life <laughs> so that was it and then i um I, I went off to university and and yet i took a break for piping for quite a few years i would say mm-hmm. so fast forward to what maybe for five ten years to last summer um and you discovered yourself that your own opportunity to combine your two loves together, um, and yeah. and put together this this fantastic fantastic one man play. Now, um, yeah. forgive me if I'm I'm using wrong terminology when it when it comes to theatre stuff. I'm not That's all, right. all that knowledgeable about it. Um, but the the play is called Thunderstruck. Um, mm-hmm. I went to see it when it was in Glasgow at Piping Live last year, and I I was absolutely blown away by it. It's a it's a play about Gordon Duncan. Uh, but the the actual way you approached it wasn't what I expected. Sure. So, first of all, how did you actually approach the family, Gordon's family, to do some? Did you do any extra research? Did you have to seek permission or anything like that? Um, I, I mean, I did a lot of research in terms of when you're writing about factual people. Um, um, 
Well, it, there's there's nuances. Essentially, anyone can write anything they want about anybody. If it becomes libelous, that's uh, that's when you might have a problem when you're writing about real people. But ultimately, if it came down to it, I could have changed the name to somebody else and pretended it was a fictional story, and then yeah. everybody would have known it was Gordon anyway. But I would have called him something different. That was never my intention, really. Um, I emailed the family. I, I remember starting writing it, and it was 2016. My love actually for piping came back quite a few years before that when I, I did a play at the National Theatre of Scotland uh, called Black Watch, which was a, you know, a a very big play for a few years. But they wanted me to, to play some piping at the end. And um, and I remember um, getting the pipes out, and that was 2006. And I remember getting the pipes out and sort of dusting them off and um, sort of winding them up again, getting them all going again. And I just remember starting to play again. And there was a, there was a great freedom because I didn't have the band structure and I, you know... I'd had one season in grade one, so I was good enough to, I was good enough to play in everything that I wanted to play at that time, but I found myself with such a freedom um, that I could pick up uh, any music and any style of piping, and then I would just, and then I could just learn. And one of the first, I immediately bought the, uh, or did I immediately buy the? I immediately started to learn all the sort of Gordon Duncan back catalogue, and I suppose in two thousand and six, when I dusted the pipes off, that's when my love of the bagpipes start, you know, started again, and that's when you know uh, Gordon Duncan's music came back into my life in a, in a in a big way because those are the tunes that I really wanted to learn. Yeah. So I just sort of slowly um, made my way through his his catalogue, and then 2016. Uh, well, it's it it sort of starts off. Uh, my dad died in January 2016, and and um, shortly after that, I remember. Um, I just remember coming to a conclusion where I'd, I'd worked, you know, as an actor for 15, nearly 20 years, like a long time. And uh, I'd seen an awful lot of people around me and people I'd worked for and directors and writers I'd worked for um, become incredibly wealthy um, in a small way off the back of my talent and other people like me's talent. And I decided that I was going to write the play and... It was funny enough. It was conversations I'd had I'd had with other pipers as well, and the conversations always came round to, to Gordon and his music, and and, and you know the high drive and Andy Rennick's ferret and yeah. Thunderstruck. Obviously, it was a big a big part of those conversations as well. And I I think it was a, a zeitgeist moment for me in that like the, all the experiences I had as in theatre, and and all the experiences I'd had in bagpipes, I realised that that. Because theatre is about conflict. It's not about telling a nice story where, mm-hmm. um, where where beautiful things happen and and we tell everybody how how wonderful someone was. That's a lecture. It's not necessarily theatre. Theatre, you have to find the conflicts and you have to find the struggles. And um, Gordon's life. Uh, the more I uh, looked into it and the more I read into it and the more I thought about my experiences of being around at that sort of time, was um, an awful lot of wonderful theatrical conflicts albeit um uh, difficult conflicts for him and his life strangely i didn't i didn't think about that i just remember thinking i i i felt that this story could be more than just a story for bagpipers like because everybody that saw it piping live most of them you know albeit the theatricality of it wasn't entirely factual but most of them know what he did and yeah. and and how he changed the instrument but I I felt the story was big enough that 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 everybody could come and see it and take away something brilliant from it about you know a guy from a, a certain background 
who sort of transcended his his field. He transcended his instrument, mm. and um, and and changed the world in in many ways. You know, changed the bagpiping world certainly. And I I felt that story was big enough to tell. Well, it's it's really important I think to say, and hopefully not spoilery, um, for anyone that's not seen the play that that it's a very it is a very happy play. You know, you, you yes, it's I, very funny. Yes, I I expected there to be some sadness in it, but there's there's none. Um, and what was your influences in writing that? Did you have any other biographical plays that you you were influenced by? Um, yeah, I I had I had no influences specifically. The only I suppose mo- the only um, the only thing I was really motivated by at the at the beginning um, was the the Amadeus play, which is the play about Mozart, uh, which I'd seen as a kid and seen again at the National Theatre um, as an adult, and I just remember. It's not that I wanted to rewrite Amadeus. It's that I wanted um, uh, I wanted Gordon uh, to be treated musically with the same reverence that Amadeus or Mozart is treated in that play. I wanted that that those that genius that he is perceived to have in that play to be equaled because I I felt that they that they that they were equal. And uh, the only the only bit that remains really in terms of those that that. Um, those Amadeus thoughts at the beginning of the play um, is the scene where I first hear uh, Gordon playing, which is uh, an almost a direct, very small um, homage to uh, a very similar scene in Amadeus where Salieri picks up uh, Mozart's music and he hears the music in his head and it's so beautiful he just he drops all the music and breaks down. And uh, the, oh, there was there was another one, uh, not really a a play. I, I read an article by, um, uh, and I read an article by Phoebe Wallerbridge, just in terms of what you were talking about. In terms of it's a very happy play, it's a very fun play. Um, she wrote this wonderful article about workshops and writing workshops she used to do, and uh, she, uh, I'll try and make this as concise as possible. But she's used to set writers' challenges, and the challenge was usually you've got five minutes to. And so she'd give she'd give ten writers a challenge, which would be one week. Say you've got five minutes to make the whole audience fall in love with your character, or you've got five minutes to make the whole audience terrified of your character, or you know. And this went on for months and months. And at the end of this big article, she was asked what she learned from that, and Phoebe answered honestly, um, "Make them laugh first. She said, um, "It doesn't really matter what you want to achieve. You want people to love you or hate you or be afraid of you or anything." She said. Just make them laugh first," he said. "That just opens the window, opens the door, and then audiences just walk wherever you you want them to walk from there. So, uh, I mean, it was in my sensibilities anyway, to, uh, uh, as as an entertainer, really, to to make people laugh. But it really that reading that article gave me confidence to to I suppose enjoy the 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 comedy and the fife banter and all the nonsense, you know. Because as as you know, there's a sensational amount of bagpipe nonsense goes on probably every single competition, you know. So I just needed to find the little corners of it that I thought would could work better, yeah, or, or could work on a stage, you know. And that's that's really what I did with all the with with all the stories, you know, a little bit autobiographical and a little bit nonsense and then a little bit sort of bagpipe folklore stories, yeah. you know. That's great. So hopefully we've not spoiled any of it for people who haven't seen it yet. And if they do want to see it, how can they? Uh, so the the play is now going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is something we've been working towards for an awful long time. Um, we've got a, 
a massive booking uh, with Assembly Festival, who are the the biggest of the the fringe um, theatre companies, and they, in their wisdom, have decided to put us in um, a a two hundred and forty seater venue Ooh. in the Edinburgh Fringe, which Ooh. absolutely terrifies me to death. But <laughs> but uh, that was that that wasn't my call. But we've got a wonderful venue uh, called Assembly Checkpoint. We've got a wonderful company backing us um, in Assembly. And um, we're doing the entire festival at 2.45 every day, which is a, a, for the Fringe is a, a, a great time slot as well because mm. it's like a proper theatre matinee time slot. Yeah. So we, we're we in a position now in Edinburgh where the play has been afforded every opportunity to, I suppose, take the next step in terms of the wider theatrical world and has every every chance of success. It still needs a bit of luck. It still needs a few people to come and see it. If we can get reviewed early, um that will make a big difference if we can um if we can get a bit of publicity or get that ball rolling early then that will make a big difference with edinburgh as well because i mean really the the edinburgh fringe is the if you want to use a bagpiping metaphor is the world championships of of theater i mean it's the competition is enormously high everyone i mean i listened to grade one um, some of the the medleys from a couple of weekends ago, and I was just—they're all just fantastic. Yeah. I I don't know how anyone splits the grade one bands. I I, I honestly I I just thought they were all brilliant. I actually thought Inveraries was was pretty spectacular, but uh, but but I couldn't split any of the top five. You know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, and, in, I'm in the same boat myself when I listen to it. Yeah. I mean, who'd be a grade one judge? Goodness exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is the same. There, just from all over the world, there is theatre of the very, very highest quality, and um, but I, but I think our play is, is good enough, and I think our play is good enough to be there, and I think our play's got every chance of um, capturing uh, the imagination. Not only because it's a play about Scotland extensively. I mean, it's about Gordon, but it's a bit much more than it's a bit much more than Gordon as well. You know, it's about an awful lot of things that uh, in our country that we should be thinking about and should be looking at and should be looking after that maybe we weren't looking after back you know in the in the, the late 90s yeah. uh and so i think it's got every i think it's got every chance in the world there's no guarantees and it, it will take a bit of luck as well but we'll we'll career into the edinburgh fringe and um and and give it the best give it the best possible shout we can Great. Well, like I said, I, I laughed and I cried at that play when I saw it at Pipe and Life oh, a few good. years ago. Oh, so, great. That's good so to I, hear. I would really encourage anyone that, that has a chance to see it to go and see it. Yeah, I have to say Pipe and Live is very special in terms yeah. of the audience. As I joked to the band beforehand, I said to them, I said this is the this is the only performance this play will ever do where ninety percent of the audience is a better bagpiper than me. <laughs> 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 and, and it felt true when I was in the room. Yeah. You know, I was just looking around. Obviously, you know, Ross was at the back and John Elliott was over in the corner. And just big old pipers everywhere. And I was just, not that that was intimidating, but yeah. a hell of intimidating, you know. I think that, that, is, that is a pipers yeah. thing, isn't it? There, there, there is, you're always feeling like you're being judged. And that just goes back to the way we've been taught. Yeah, well, it goes back. There's, there is a weird competition between pipers that I never yeah. understand because we're all, we all have a fellowship. We're all in the same yeah. band. We're all in the same instrument you know we should uh, we should, sometimes i feel like we 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 could be more kind to each other in terms right. of in terms of uh, you know loving other there's nothing i love more than watching a watching a piper be brilliant yeah. i went um two nights ago i went to see um uh, bridget campbell and oh, yeah. she is amazing i mean she is absolutely sensational piping you know uh, but 
I, obviously it's quite easy when there's someone of that standard or Russ and Nally, you know, when, when the standard is obviously, you know, far beyond, you know, what you're, you're capable of playing, but even, even within bands and everything, we should all enjoy other pipers achieving, achieving great things, maybe a bit more than we do. <laughs> exactly. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time to That's speak to pleasure, me. That's my pleasure, Lauren. And I, like I say, I really do hope that, that you get exactly what you want out of doing the Edinburgh Festival because you deserve it and the play deserves it. Yeah, can I just say if anyone if anyone wants to help out, there is a there is a fundraiser going as well, uh, just to cover. I mean, the Edinburgh Fringe, as brilliant as it is, is probably the most expensive thing I'll ever do in my life. So there is a wee fundraiser going if anyone wants to contribute, and that's on the Facebook page. It's at the top of the fa- the, fa- the, the Thunderstruck Facebook page, which is Thunderstruck GD for Gordon Duncan, and uh, you'll find all the details there, and we'll gratefully accept any donations anyone wants to give. Yeah, and I'll, I'll put a link to that in the post that is attached to this show. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And if you missed any of the details on how to support David and his show Thunderstruck, you'll find them all on the information in the text attached to this show on the website planetpipe.com. As we said, Gordon Duncan influenced a generation of pipers, including David, but I think it's fair to say none more so than these two. Ross Ainsley and Ali Hutton were Gordon's prodigies, learning with him in Perth and through the Vale of Athelpipe Band. They pass on his style and passion for music through their own and have released two albums as a duo under the titles Symbiosis 1 and Symbiosis 2. This is from their second one, and the tunes are part of a set called Minx.
That was Ross Hensley and Ali Hutton. And now on to some West Coast Kayleigh Rock from Skippinish. A new album has been released by the band and I got a special preview of it a few weeks back. And I was aware that I was familiar with a lot of it already, but what I didn't realise was that there was a reason for that. It's the band's 20th anniversary album. Although it's a brand new album, it does revisit some old favourites with a new take on them. The band were originally formed as a duo in 1999. Angus McPhail, who was playing box, and Andrew Stevenson on whistle and pipe studied at the RSMD in Glasgow. The name Skippinish comes from the croft that Angus grew up on on Tyree. They have developed the band from that duo into a mighty beast, likely to sell out such Scottish venues as the Usher Hall. So... Here they are with a recent recording of one of their first tracks, a revisit of a set of chicks. Thank you. 
That was Skippinish and a set of jigs from their very recently released 20th anniversary album, Steer by the Stars. That's us at the end of this month's Planet Pipe. Thanks to David Colvin for talking to me. And thank you for listening. Please like, share and tell all your pals about the show. There's still loads more to come on Planet Pipe. And there's only one way we could finish this show after talking about Gordon Duncan, and that's with the man himself, Gordon Duncan, and it's one of the many tracks that made him famous. This is Thunderstruck, and I'll be back again myself, Lord McDougall, in July with another trip on the Tartan rocket to Planet Pipe.